What's going on, everybody? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and welcome to episode 81 of the Adult Education Podcast. Joining me today is singer and songwriter Lacey K. Booth. Thank you for hanging out today. I just always appreciate the fact that you share some of your time with my show, Adult Education. This is a fun project for me that I do out of the love of conversation and learning more about people and things. If you want to support me or the show, the best way to do that is to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. I know from looking at the metrics of the show that most of you listen via Spotify. Those five stars on Spotify are huge. If you're using a platform that allows a review, please share a few words. If you have a second, that also really helps the podcast algorithms know which shows people are reacting to and which ones they want to push out to some new listeners. So I'll admit, I'm not an American Idol guy. I can probably count on one hand how many episodes of that show over the years I've watched. I don't know what it is. Just something about talent competition shows just doesn't do it for me. But I will admit that the second I heard this woman's voice, I knew she had something that's way bigger than any talent show. And I'm talking about Lacey K. Booth. She first gained national attention by finishing in the top five on season 17 of Idol. I like to say she finished fourth overall, but that's just me. Uh, Her voice is nothing short of magical. For me, it's like the perfect combination of warmth, softness, and power. Uh, Lacey signed her first record deal during the pandemic, released her first collection of songs during the pandemic, and has been working on getting back out there to see people in person. If you do see her on a tour stop near your home, please don't hesitate to go out and catch her show. I know you won't be disappointed. For our listeners in the UK, I know she's heading out there, I think, for the C2C Festival, so be sure and try to catch that if you can. This was such a fun conversation. I learned a lot about Lacey that I had no idea about before. Uh, Real quick before we jump into the chat, though, be sure to rate Adult Education on whatever platform you're listening on. Those five-star reviews are the best way to support the show. I appreciate you for taking a second to do that. It really means a lot. And don't forget that we're on social media. If you want to follow us, you can find us on Instagram at Adult Education Podcast. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. How are things going for you? They're going good. I've been like kind of like weirdly not busy, but busy. It's just like the story of my life. But um. <laughs> so explain that. What is what does busy but not busy mean for you? Uh, on and off radio tour. So I'll go in like these like random little runs, like three day runs and then come home and then have a bunch of stuff to do that I should have done when I was home. Yeah. I would have done if I was home. So it's just like, yeah. You kind of feel like you're always playing catch up. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I just realized like, so today when we were doing this is a Thursday, I'm not sure when it's going to air, but it's a Thursday and my sister is coming to town uh, tomorrow. So I just realized I'm like, I have to totally like clean all the sheets and everything in the guest room. I I hate that work. I know what you mean. (laughs) There's my night. That's my Thursday night. It's going to be cleaning the room and get get ready for her. Right. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, you know what? Being able to get out there and meet some people, I'm sure, in your position is just a a great feeling at this point. It really is because after, you know, doing Zooms for so long and – just COVID and Delta and everything getting in the way. It's, it was just kind of like, am I ever going to be able to like meet these people in person and really, you know, show them who I am 
in person, not just over a screen. <laughs> in some way, like I, I know you, I know you're starting to get out there and meet people in person now. But in some way, I kind of thought the the virtual hangs were kind of interesting because it, I feel like it let the artists be more in their element. You know, as opposed yeah. to, you know, uh, the radio tour, you might stop in four different cities in one day and you got to be on each time, no matter yeah. what time of day or whatever is going on. But on the virtual, you you have a little bit of a schedule. You can be maybe at your home or yeah. in a studio or whatever. And there, there's a different element to being able to be your best. There really is. There really is. And I honestly, that was really good for me. And I had this little $30 mic from Amazon that for some reason sounded so good and the acoustics in this half empty house was uh you know added to that <laughs> but it was it was a good experience overall yeah but there there is nothing like getting out there in front of people and i know that coming up here pretty soon you've got a great show that you're going to get in front of thousands of people i saw you're on stagecoach pretty soon yes oh my gosh i'm so i need to start practicing for that because that that's what's been like taking over my brain lately stagecoach. I'm so excited though. I've, um, it's been trying to happen for two years. Yeah. Uh, it's been getting postponed and honestly, I didn't think I'd still be on the lineup, <laughs> but I am. And I'm so excited. Did they cancel it last year too? Um, yes, they, they postponed it for two years and, or so they postponed it 20, 2020 and then 2021. Okay. Now I knew they kept like pushing it back, hoping they could make it happen, but I couldn't remember if they actually like pulled the plug last year or not, but that's awesome. I, I've always wanted to go uh, to Stagecoach or Coachella. I've just heard such wonderful things about that, that place where it is, like everything. I've just always wanted to experience. So I'm very jealous of you. <laughs> I've never been either, but I've heard great things. I've also heard it's like insanely hot yeah. and you have to wear a bandana because you'll get, you'll breathe in dust. So those, those two things maybe you can think about not be. <laughs> There's positives and negatives to everything, right? Right. right. <laughs> well, Lacey, I, I appreciate your time and uh, I kind of want to take a step back and kind of talk about you and how we got to where we are now, if that's okay with you. Yeah, let's do it. So in reading your bio and doing some research on you, I realized that music has been a big part of your life pretty much since day one. So I have to ask, was music a big part of your family's life or was this just something that was kind of strange for you to jump into? It was 100% a part of my family's life. My dad is a Texas country music artist uh, who has been touring all over Texas uh, since he was 14 years old. And then he had me at 15, side note, fun fact. <laughs> and, um, and my mom, she grew up singing her whole life in church and we used to have family karaoke parties growing up at uh, my grandma's house on my mom's side. So it was just all around me. So second nature. I don't, I mean, I couldn't do anything else. That's what I had to do. Basically. It's just, it was just a natural thing. So wait, how old's your dad? He's 41, 40, 41, 41. Yeah. So my, your dad 40, and I 42. are the same age. I can't even like, I can't even fathom having your 25, 26, 26, 26 year old. I, like, I have a hard enough time believing I have a 14-month-old daughter, let alone a 26-year-old daughter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. I bet that was an interesting life to grow up that way, for sure. It was really interesting. And, you know, uh, I, I wrote a song about it. It's on, on my collection called If You Would Have Stayed. Uh, they got My parents got divorced when I was three years old, and he was – he was young. He had a lot of grown up to do. He was still, you know, playing all over Texas. So uh, we lost contact there for a little bit. But um, when I was 15, I started writing some songs and my mom called him up and told him and he took me on a road trip 
um, to Arkansas to record these songs that I was writing. And I remember looking over at him um, during this road trip and just being like, who is this guy? Like, this is just so strange. And we've mended our relationship ever since that day. And it's just, it's insane. But it's it was a really interesting way to grow up. And I think I was so obsessed with music because I so wanted, I wanted to know him and I wanted to be like him. And I just knew he was the guy, like everybody knew him in my hometown as the guy who sang. And um, I think that's, you know, partly why I was so obsessed with music as I was at a young age. It's interesting because that could have gone either way, really. Like you say you right. were obsessed with music because you wanted to know him, but a lot of people mm -hmm. in your position would have maybe hated him and stayed away from music. Like what I'm picturing oh. right now is Coco, the movie Coco from Disney, <laughs> where like the family <laughs> hates music because the dad disappeared on them. And it, but like, so it really yeah. could go either way. It's interesting that you went the direction of, of being like, well, okay, this relationship maybe isn't what I want, but I really want to know more about this guy. Like I want to follow yeah. this. Right. Definitely. And I, you know, it could have definitely went both ways. Thankfully, I had my mom's side of the family who was, you know, showed me all the music that they like. And and music was honestly an outlet for a lot of those emotions growing up, too. So I bet it really made you appreciate extended family, too. Yes, 100 percent. Yep, it really did. When you're in that kind of situation, I mean, it takes a village for sure. I mean, because I'm assuming your yeah. mom was also very young. Yes, she was, she was very young and yeah, it, I just, I was, I'm still so close to all of like my grandparents, her sisters, um, we're just one big, really close knit family. And because of that. And you mentioned Texas artist too. Your dad was a Texas artist. And I, I don't know if people really grasp the difference between like country artists <laughs> and Texas artists because there, there is a say, difference. <laughs> but it's a fascinating world to me that there are artists that, you know, in Texas, which is a state in America that's not that far from other places, but Texas, yeah. there are artists that will sell 60, 70,000 tickets for shows and then go across the border to their state and barely be able to fill a club. And it's just so fascinating yeah. to me. And it's insane. It's insanity. And watching these Texas artists like Parker McCollum and Cody Johnson come over to Nashville, I've been like, you know, hands crossed praying, you know, fingers crossed for them. Like, I hope this works out for you because I've seen it happen so many times where it really doesn't. Somebody, a Texas artist tries to come to Nashville and they don't, they don't do well. But Cody Johnson and Parker McCollum are killing it. But yeah, my dad growing up with him, a Texas artist was, was crazy because, you know, he, he still plays the bars and stuff, but he, Texas has their own radio chart. Yeah. <laughs> is it Red red Dirt Country Chart? Is that what it is or something like that? So. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a couple. It's just so fascinating. I've, I've, I've had interviews with people like Wade Bowen and Randy Rogers over the years. And I just, I always ask that question and they're never able to pinpoint it. Like what, what's the difference? Like what makes it so different? It's, it's just one of those like weird, like enigmas in this world that there's I just know. this whole undercurrent of music that doesn't I, seem to translate the same way. No, it doesn't. And it's so, it, I can't even describe it. Just like you said, it's just like, it's hard to describe. It's crazy. So tell me about these dance parties uh, at your grandmother's house. These not dance parties, karaoke parties at your grandmother's house. <laughs> I wish they were dance parties. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> my grandparents dance. Uh, sometimes they were that. But so my grandma um, always had this really big old karaoke machine. She would drag out on the back porch every, I mean, it would happen every weekend uh, growing up. And we would sometimes dress up in crazy outfits and just entertain each other is what we did. And my grandma would get up there and uh, sing every Loretta Lynn, Tammy Wynette song ever. And um, she would always sing Stand By Your Man. 
by Tammy Wynette and dedicated to my grandpa. <laughs> the classic. You got to go with that one. Classic. And that's really the the whole I- idea I had behind um, Shuffle was thinking about that and how she used to do that. And I, I remember like laughing to myself. I was on my way to write this song, Shuffle. And I was laughing to myself, thinking about this image of my grandma dedicating Stand By Your Man to my grandpa over karaoke on the back porch and and how it was truly her song to him because he was wild back in the day. And uh, I was like giggling and I was like, dang, what's my song to my person? And I jokingly said, I'm somewhere between Stand By Your Man and Goodbye Earl. <laughs> and then that's how that song came about. <laughs> Uh, the first time I heard "Goodbye Earl," because I, I didn't I didn't grow up in the country world. I, I didn't get into country till I s- took a job at a country radio station. Um, so I didn't know much about country. I, there were artists that I was familiar with the name just from seeing them on TV, like the Chicks or whatever. Uh, but yeah. I didn't know any music. But there was a uh, a punk rock cover band called Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, and they do a great version of "Goodbye Earl," and it's. Really? So this this band, uh, I'll keep this short because we're getting totally off topic, but this band is like members of a bunch of like one of the guys from the Foo Fighters is in it. Like they're just a bunch of friends that are in other bands that one night got really drunk and decided to go to one of their houses and just play cover songs. And it turned yeah. into like a side project. So they just do these like each album had a different theme. Like one was like 60s, like doo-wop songs or like 60s pop songs. One was more R&B. One was country. They just like they would just take all these like classic songs and do their own like punk rock covers. And some of them were really freaking good. (laughs) (laughs) I love how that was your first experience with Goodbye Earl. I was like, man, this song is really badass. I like this song. I got to check this out. I mean, then you hear the original version and it's still got such a power to it. Yeah, it really does. I love that song. And you know, what a dream to just take songs and and make them your own. That's, that's like my favorite thing to do. And it was my favorite thing to do on Idol when I was on Idol. And I took, I remember everybody looked at me so crazy when I said I was going to do a Blink-182 cover on Idol. How did that go out? I, I'll be honest. I'm not an idol person. I've maybe watched like two episodes in my whole life. So I apologize that I didn't see you on the show. Hey, but how did that work out for watching, you? I stopped watching, uh, I think, Scotty McCreary season and Laura Lena season. I just got so busy. But um, I, didn't, I didn't watch it again until I was on it. So I totally see that. I, I get it. Um, it was good. It was a great experience. And it completely changed my life. So I'm forever grateful for the show, but it was so fast paced and so much at one time. It's so hard sometimes looking back at it because I don't really remember a lot because it was just like everything happened at once. It was just insanity. All right. Well, that I I jumped ahead there because I want to go back before we talk a little bit more about American Idol. So let's go back. So you you wrote your first song I read at nine years old. Yeah. What was that song about? So my grandpa's mom had passed away my nanny and I I just remember that was like the first person I think that I experienced passing away that I knew so um I think the only that was like the main outlet that I knew how to get my feelings out and what I really what really was the goal with writing that song was I wanted to show it to my family to make them all feel better and I think it was called better day Um, And I wrote it about, you know, my nanny passing on to like the pearly gates and getting to meet uh, Jesus. But um, yeah, that was my first songwriting uh, experience. (laughs) Is there a recording of this that we'll ever hear? (laughs) I honestly, I have it. I have it right here. It's like a little CD. I remember I recorded it 
and I burn it on a CD somehow, you can barely hear it. I would have to turn it up like super loud, but I haven't, I haven't listened to it in probably 15 years. So yeah, 15, 10 years, 15 years, something like that. Um, I I have to admit something. Uh, We had a chance to have dinner a few months back and I've had this like I've had this guilt ever since then that I offended you and I've been holding on to this for a long time. And I, I just want to explain, I want to explain my place. We were talking oh about my. what you've been doing during the pandemic. And I think you said you had written like 200 or 400 songs or something. And yeah. that number just seems so astronomical to me. So when you said that, like my head just got spinning and I, I forget exactly how I worded it, but the, I asked a question, like a follow-up question about that of like, well, how many will we actually hear or whatever? And I, but I felt like the way I said it was insulting to the fact that you no, wrote that many songs. I didn't even. Oh my God. When the dinner was over, I remember getting in the car, my wife being like, I, she hates me. I'm like, Lacey K. Booth hates me. I just totally insulted her at dinner. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, you did not. Because I don't even remember that part of the conversation. Good. I just remember how freaking cute Eloise looked the entire dinner and how I wanted to hold her. I, I don't even remember that. So you did not offend me at all. Well, that's why I, I bring the baby. Always, I think that always like just makes everybody's brain like crazy whenever I say I wrote 400 songs during the pandemic, but it really wasn't just during the pandemic. I wrote, I wrote songs by myself before um, the pandemic hit. And then like when the pandemic hit, I co-wrote a bunch. I was writing five days a week, sometimes more than that. And then, um, you know, I guess the pandemic's still happening. I don't know. (laughs) So... It's been two years and I've written a lot of songs and it was really painful taking all those songs and, you know, trying to, trying to narrow down to eight. I think that was kind of where my question was going because you, you had Mm -hmm. this project that had just come out, I think when we had dinner. So you had eight songs that had just come out and you were talking about how you written 400. And I guess like, I was just thinking to myself, like, it must be painful to cut it down from 400 to eight, but there also must be songs in that 400 that, you know, are never going to be songs that you would record. You know uh, what I mean? Like, uh, and I, that's, that's where my guilt came from because I, I felt like the way I said it, it sounded like you were writing bad songs and that's not no. what I meant, but I, I no, think anybody I would be the would first one that. to tell you that too. I would be the first to tell anyone that there's so, I know there's so many in there that wouldn't, ne- we'll never see the light of day. Um, but that's just the whole, you know, experience with it is just finding out, what your sound is and how to write a song because I had never co-written before I moved to Nashville. I had only ever written by myself. So yeah, there was, there's a lot of bad, bad eggs in, in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's step back uh, just for a second too. Uh, so you, you started, well, you, you always had a love of music because music was around you from the time you were born and, and moving yeah. forward. You, you wrote your first song at nine years old, but what was the point where you, where you realized or you thought like this is my path. Like, this is what I know that I want to do. Gosh, that was, you know, I was on stage for the, the for the first time at eight years old. And I, I always kept, even though I was on stage at such a young age, I always kept music and performance separate because performance really just, I, it debilitated me. The thought of it was just so nerve wracking. Um, so I guess I I was a little scared of it, to be honest. So I put the guitar down a couple of times, but I think around 15 years old is when I was like, I'm going to go for this. I started writing songs all the time. I started playing bars, restaurants, anybody who would have me. And then I asked my parents if I could move to Nashville, I think, when I graduated at 17. And they told me, 
know that they would like me to have a degree before I made any move. And I, I totally, you know, understood. I understand now uh, that they were just wanting the best for me. Um, and they had too much going on to move with me to Nashville. So I, I get it. But um, so I did. I went to college and I was 30 hours away from my bachelor's degree when I tried out for American Idol. Um, before we dive into Idol a little bit here, your voice is beautiful and very striking, but it's also very unique. It's not your, your, your common voice that you would hear in country music. How did you come to find that voice? I've, you know, I've always kind of had a softer, smokier voice naturally when I sang. I remember my whole life singing. It, it, it was like that. And I got discouraged at a young age, I remember, because my mom's idols were Martina McBride, like these powerhouse singers. And I'm like, I can't make it in country music if I can't, you know, belt like like Martina McBride. And then I discovered Stevie Nicks and Nora Jones. And even though they're not in country music, I was like, it was like a light bulb moment where I was like, oh, this works for them so I can see myself, you know, it working for me. I hadn't sat down with your EP in a while. Like I listened to it when it came out and get a good good feel for it, but I just sat down with it today before talking to you. And the first thing that popped into my head was Nora Jones. Like I'm like, this is this is like the country Nora Jones. Like why didn't I pick up on this before? This is amazing. Oh my gosh, like, thank you, thank you. And you know, looking back at the collection, I it was 400 songs narrowed down into eight. I was experimenting with so much, sure. and I love that collection with all my heart. It was very well rounded. But I feel like the ones that, you know, like UCU and Heart of Texas, um, those are the more, uh, the style that I'm aiming for. And um, I just can't wait to record and write more. Heart of Texas <laughs> is a fantastic song. What's the one that people are gravitating to that you've noticed, you know, from playing in front of people or just, you know, looking at numbers? A lot of people have been loving UCU, um, which is the first track. And it's like a, a cute little love song. Um, but I, I noticed that a lot of people were, were gravitating towards it from just going on TikTok or like on Instagram and seeing these girls cover the song. And this is like the main song that everyone was covering. And I'm like, that has to say something, right? That's interesting that you can see like in real time how people are reacting to different songs. Yeah. Like there, you know, it used to be you had to see how the single would perform, maybe how the album would sell. But now you can take right. out your phone and be like, okay, what song are people covering? What song are people right. posting? Like what's it? My my two favorites on there personally are If You Would Have Stayed and Broken Heart Still Beats. I don't I don't know what um, it is, the vibes of those two songs. And If You Would Have Stayed just slays me. Like what a emotional uh, song. Thank you so much. That yeah, that was that song wasn't even supposed to make the collection. Nobody was supposed to hear that song which is insane to think about. And I'm so glad that it accidentally, accidentally got slipped into a list of songs that was sent to the entire label. Uh, but yeah, thank you for that. Well, I'm glad you shared it because it is such a fantastic song. Um, so you you almost finished college. Did you actually finish now? Are you done or did you, are you gonna? No. Okay, you were still on I'm, pause. I'm okay. still 30 hours away. And you know, I signed up for um, my next set of classes while I was on Idol. And then I quickly realized, I was like, if this goes, any further. I was already in top 40, I think. And 
I was like, uh, I don't think I have time for this. And I really don't want to fail. So I just withdrew. <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading before you auditioned for Idol, you almost didn't actually go in because you were afraid of the rejection of that situation. Right. Talk more about that. I had been rejected from The Voice twice already before I tried out for Idol. Once when I was 15, once when I was 19. And I actually had gotten in front of the executives when I was 19 at The Voice and then got rejected, got sent home. And I was, and I never thought about trying out for Idol because I had heard like crazy stories about auditions uh, for Idol. And it, I mean, I got to witness it happen. It's, it's a large room full of all the people trying out and their family sometimes. And there's three tables full of producers and there's a person at each table singing at the same time. Oh. And so I was like, my soft voice will never be heard you know, and a room like that with these powerhouse singers that you hear on Idol. So I never wanted to try out for Idol because I knew I would never make it past that round. And I remember my mom had drove me to uh, the George R. Brown Convention Center in Houston for tryouts. And I was studying with flashcards in my car for my test, my college test. And I was like, I don't even know why I'm doing this, mom. I'm not going to get past the first round and I'm, we're going to come home and I'm just going to be, this is going to be a downer for me, you know? <laughs> and then uh, she was like, you don't regret it. You're going to look back in 10 years and regret it. And I was like, okay. So I went in and I did it and literally changed my life. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, you finished top five. I like to tell people you finished number four because two people were eliminated on your time, right? So it was either five and four. So I say you finished higher. So you were four. Uh, <laughs> do you, I know if you win, there's a different set of prizes that comes with winning, but I almost feel like people that don't win tend to be more successful after the fact. So are you- looking, I mean, looking are, at Gabby Barrett and all these artists, yeah. It's like, if you really look at the, the winners overall, there's a few that stand out, but overall it's the people that kind of come in that top 10 range that tend to bring up. So are you happier with where you finished or would you have liked to go all the way? Oh, I'm so happy with where I finished. I am. And, you know, looking back at it, I probably, if I would have won, I wouldn't be able to be with the label I am now, Big sure. Machine. So, and I, I love my label and I love everybody um, that I'm with. So I'm so grateful that I finished top five. Or four, as you say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, if you if you win, you're locked into a record deal, right? Like, is that? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So you not. Okay. So you not winning gives you the opportunity to go out and maybe find something on your own. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So when you when you finished, you obviously had the bug. Like you wanted to to keep doing music. Like that was that moment. I'm assuming that you were like, okay, yes, I can really I, do this now. Like I've I've had my platform. Right, exactly. And I, you know, I was kind of in a position where I had went from 3000 followers on Instagram to 275,000 followers. And I was just like, what do I do? Who, who do these people want me to be? Like, you know, I was just so insecure in that moment. And then I was like, these people followed me because I am an artist. And that's what I have to remember. Not an influencer, not somebody who's going to, you know, throw, um, you know, bikinis and, and makeup in your face all the time. And I had to remind myself about that a couple times, but I, the first thing I wanted to do was move to Nashville. And I, and I did, I moved, um, that summer I came down for, uh, to Nashville or came up to Nashville for a couple of weeks just to 
write for the first time with co-writers and I fell in love and I remember calling my mom saying I'm I'm not coming back <laughs> sorry and I didn't I've been here ever since I want to go back into the writing in a second but I want to step back really quick just to that social media thing that's a very profound statement what you said that mm -hmm. who do these people want me to be or who do they expect yeah. me to be that's a very interesting thing that you picked up on that and that you saw that and understood it right from the beginning because right. so many people fall in that trap and they don't know where to go or they start doing something that really has nothing to do with them well to be honest i did fall in that trap for a little bit and if you i mean i've archived most of those pictures but it, you can just if you were looking at all of my archived pictures you could tell like this girl doesn't know who she is right now and it was an unfortunate time in my life where I was like, how do I keep all these followers? How do I keep everybody happy? How do I keep myself happy? And looking back at it now, I, you know, I just needed to be myself and and put my music first. And yeah, it's I bet it's a struggle for a lot of people that aren't really open about it like I am. Well, I'm glad you you found that because there are so many people that don't find. I mean, even people that don't have the following that you had at that time coming off the TV show, people that even have just 3000 followers will fall into that trap of like, who am I? Like, oh. I have to do this for them. I have to be this kind of right. person. It's, I mean, there's people that I work with that act like that. I'm like, it, you can just be you. Like people are going to be right. interested in who you are. A hundred percent. It gets cookie cutter once you get up there and try to be like everybody else who has major following. And that's not, I don't, I don't like cookie cutter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't seem like the person that does. Uh, <laughs> So let's talk about songwriting. So when, before you, you know, were, you were in college, before you were performing on your own, you go to college, you go to Idol, but all of that, you are kind of writing music on your own, doing your own thing and getting out there. But now you get into Nashville and you start writing with other people. Talk about that experience. Oh man, that was a game changer. And, you know, I had a couple of rights where I'm like, this isn't my vibe. And respectfully, this is somebody else's vibe. You know, this isn't what I want to write or how I want to, you know, make music. Um, but overall, these people have welcomed me with open arms and just witnessing the talent in this town, in these writing rooms, like writing with people like Liz Rose and Laura Veltz and even younger writers, up and coming writers, it's just insane. It makes my brain like twirl because I'm like, how do people have this much talent? It's, it's amazing. And you see, um, being in the position I am, I guess you get to see like, there's, there's layers to when your favorite artists. They also have, you know, these incredible writers behind them. It's cool because Nashville is a place where people, writers, artists, whatever, from all different genres come together. So yeah. you go into a writing room and you might be writing with a country superstar, you know, someone like Laura Veltz that's got, you know, hits yeah. like for days under her belt. Right. But then you also might have this like, punk rock guy that is just trying to see how far he can take his career. So you get all yeah. these different opinions and styles coming into this yeah. setting. And that's such a cool opportunity. It really is because just like you said, punk rock pop, I wrote with Laura Veltz and a pop producer the other, the other day. And he said it was his first time writing a country song in two years. And I was like, how insane. I, I love it. I love Nashville. And the, the producers that are there, too. I mean, I, I was just uh, looking up Mike Elizondo, uh, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with his name, but a, a friend of mine has worked with him on things. And I like he's performed with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. He toured with uh -huh. John Mayer. He's produced all these different projects. He's also up for a Grammy for the Encanto soundtrack uh, this year. Like, and they, so you've, wow. got, you've got these people that are just like they, they've got their hand in so many different things. And they're just so amazingly talented. And they're right 
right in your backyard. <laughs> right, right, right in your backyard. <laughs> so what's For been, sure. what was your favorite writing experience? And you don't have to name names if you don't want to uh, say that because you don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but yeah. what was your favorite writing experience? Oh man, um, the first time I got to write with Liz Rose. And well, actually, I guess it was the first time, yeah. And I, you know, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan and I grew up, you know, just fangirling over her. And I remember my dad bought me her first CD and I, I listened to it through and through and wore that CD out. But I remember looking at the back and seeing on every single song, Taylor Swift slash Liz Rose. And I was like, who is Liz Rose? One day I want to move to Nashville and I want to write with her. And it was always a dream of mine. And the first time we wrote was over Zoom because of COVID. And I, the entire night before, I was just going absolutely crazy because I had no ideas and I was so nervous. And when I am stressed out, I wake up in the middle of the night and like, I don't sleepwalk. I guess I, I guess you would call it sleepwalking, but I like, I just, I get on my phone. I do like crazy stuff and I really don't remember it. And so, um, <laughs> But that night it happened. Um, I remember slightly like getting up and being on my phone. So the next morning I went on my phone to my notes and I had written down some titles. <laughs> I remember looking at them and thinking, what were you dreaming about, Lacey? But um, the, the things that I had written down was Pretty Little Pistol and Smoking Gun. And... Um, so I, I went to this right is with Liz Rose and Lori McKenna. It was over Zoom. And I had told them about what I did because I was so nervous. And we end up writing this crazy, insane song called Pretty Little Pistol. And that that just, you know, that's my favorite writing experience. It's so cool that you can <laughs> you can sleepwalk your way into a, a random song <laughs> title and somehow come up with a song with that the next day. <laughs> That's what I love about Nashville. That's what I love about songwriting, about music. <laughs> it's like people sure. people tell stories of going into songwriting sessions where it's like they walk in and they just had a really bad experience at Chipotle and they come out with like <laughs> the, a song called Cheese Quesadilla. And you're like, well, how did we get <laughs> Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> right? <laughs> all the time. <laughs> there was just a story of, uh, I think Joe Nichols was telling a story about writing with Blake Shelton way back in the day. Cause I guess they were both on the same label or something early in their careers. And they like, couldn't, they couldn't come up with anything. So they decided to go have lunch and at lunch, they, uh, ended up getting drunk. And while they were drinking, they both at the same time said like, I've got a great idea for a song. Let's go back. By the time they got back to the room, they had both forgotten what they were going to say. So they just went and continued drinking afterwards. And that was their writing session for that day. Oh my God. The writing process. Amazing. It's such a fascinating thing to me, the whole, like the way everything comes together. Uh, and it's, I bet, I bet writing over zoom is really, did, did you, well, I guess you moved to Nashville after idol. So you had a little bit of time where you were doing things in person before things kind of yeah. shut down, but man, writing over zoom must be really different. Oh, it was, it, it's hard to get, you know, that connection and that magic in the room over zoom. And at the time during the pandemic, it was hard for me to find any inspiration, honestly, to write about. And I, but I had about six months of writing in person before the world shut down. So, um, yeah, writing writing over Zoom, I got burnt out on it after a while. It was like five writes a week, sometimes more. And I eventually said, told my publishers, I need a break. Like, I, I can't, 
I can't keep doing, I can't keep doing this because it's, I'm not getting the enjoyment out of it. And once you're not enjoying it, you don't need to be doing it, you know? And so I took a break and then I was excited to write again. And it's been great ever since. <laughs> Did you use writing at all as like therapy during, as I was listening to Tennille Towns talk about this uh, the other day, she was talking about how she just really found herself in a weird place during the uh, pandemic, like not really knowing what was going on, you know, being kind of trapped at home for the first time in a long time, not having a place to go or people to perform for. And she turned right. to writing as her therapy to help try to get some of those feelings out. Did you have a similar experience? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I have so many um, half written songs in my notes during that time that are, you know, they're just poems. Fortunately, I wasn't down in the dumps because I had just gotten a record deal. Like during the pandemic, I had gotten a record deal. And so I was just, I felt on cloud nine and I felt like really lucky because, you know, you heard all these labels weren't signing anybody during the pandemic. And so I had, on, I had that hope. Um, but everything else was kind of like up in the air and it, it was really hard, but writing helped a lot. Is there a sign in your hometown now that says the hometown of Lacey K Booth? <laughs> you know, Deer and Idol, they had all those signs everywhere. Um, they, they don't have one of those now, but <laughs> it was pretty cool to, to see. <laughs> I have this Back picture, then. like uh, the movie Varsity Blues, where all the, the homes where they have football players, they have these big signs out front of like, home of quarterback, Johnny, whatever. I picture <laughs> your family having a big sign out front in East Texas of like, home of American Idol, number four finisher, Lacey K. Booth. <laughs> You know, what's so funny is my grandparents still have my idol sign, like, on their brick house. Like, <laughs> I'm like, um, I really don't want everyone knowing where y'all live, so can y'all please take that down? That's really fun. I mean, now, yeah, now that your career is getting to a new place, too, you might want to tell them to tone it down just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So you got the eight-song EP that came out, uh, what was it, August of last year? Yeah, August. So it's been a few months now. What, what do we got going on here? What's coming up here for Lacey K. Booth? All Stagecoach. I'm super excited about next month. I get to go to London overseas for the first time. I'm awesome. playing CDC. Um, I'm hopefully going to get back in the studio and get to record some more songs um, in between going to these events and festivals. I have a bunch of festivals over the summer. I'm going to Canada a couple of times. Um, I have have you know talks of being on a tour so fingers crossed but I'm just yeah I'm excited to get out there and perform and get comfortable on the stage for sure so you're going overseas do you I'm sure you've seen metrics of how your songs are performing but have they been doing well over there in like the UK yeah and you know Broken Heart Still Beats actually is mm. uh does the best over in the UK I'm not, I'm not surprised. Like I, I would, I would imagine mm -hmm. you would actually do really well there. And, and when I, when I say that, it's not that you won't do well here in America, but the country audience isn't always the most accepting to things that sound a little bit different, at least not right yeah. away. Like it takes a little bit of time. I mean, I think when, about Kane Brown was selling out arenas and I still had radio people telling me, he, you know, not sure if he's going to make it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's already there. <laughs> you know? So okay. it, it's tough. Like it's, if, if you're a little bit different, you might not break through at the same pace, but over in the UK, they're accepting of different things and they like the different sounds. So I wouldn't be shocked to see you with a really big crowd at C to C. Oh, thank you. That would that would make my life. And you know, I've heard that before too. That you know, they're more accepting over there of the different voices, and I'm I'm excited to get over there. And what's so interesting is that um, I heard that they really prefer just acoustic performances. 
um, and which is what I'm doing. So um, I'm excited to just to just witness that. <laughs> it's so cool too how different different places have different um, interests in how they want their music. You know what I mean? Like I wonder, right. I wonder in their head, they're like, okay, well I've heard these songs on Spotify or Apple or wherever. I want to hear something a little bit different. I want to hear what she sounds like with just the acoustic guitar. Like yeah. it's so interesting. So interesting. And I, I, I can't wait to see how, you know, the crowd reacts, but I, that just like made my head go crazy. I was like, they like, the acoustic because think about texas and the country they like honky tonk loud drums so i think it's funny yeah <laughs> oh, it's a much different world than texas i suppose yeah. <laughs> what's that saying we're not in kansas anymore yeah you're not in texas yeah, anymore. we ain't in texas no more <laughs> well i can't wait to see you with a full band because i've seen you on zoom during your virtual radio tour doing acoustic stuff and you sound fantastic and i want to uh, i want to see the full thing sometime soon hopefully mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I can't wait. Yep, I can't wait. Well, Lacey, I'm excited for you. This music is really great. Like I said, the, the EP is fantastic. I, I'm partial to If You Would Have Stayed and Broken Heart Still Beats, but so many great songs on there. And I like that each song has a different feel for it. So you get a real good look at what you're all about as an artist. And I just, I, I can't wait to see where it goes next. Thank you so much, Jeff. And thank you for having me. It's an honor. And um, oh. I can't wait to see you. And and the family at baby Eloise very soon. <laughs> Hopefully by the time you uh, come back around through our town, we will be able to bring her out with us to yes. enjoy. Uh, she she loves music so much. I can't even tell you. Like, uh, are you familiar with the guy? With the, you, you're talking about Coco and, and Encanto. Is that how you say it? Encanto? Yeah. Either way. Is, are those sure her favorite fine. movies? Yeah, Encanto or Encanto, whatever, for sure. I mean, we put that on <laughs> and she's over. There's also one on Netflix called Vivo that she yeah. loves. It's also written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, but she is in love with that. Anything that's brightly colored and has music, she's in. Oh. But there is a guy, I think he's based in Nashville. His name's Cody Fry. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, I feel like I know that name. Well, he just did a project. I think, there, is there a recording studio there? It looks like an old church called Ocean Way Studios. Um, I think that's the name of it. Well, he just did a project called the Symphony Sessions where he brought a symphony in and he translated some of his music to be orchestra. And she will, we'll put the videos on YouTube and she will just sit there mesmerized by the TV, like watching all of these instruments playing. I mean, she even like, she even conducts, like she sits there in her chair with her hands moving. I mean, she has no idea what she's doing, but she's like pretending to conduct the orchestra. And she's 14 months old. This girl is like, she's so I can't wait to take have, her to a live concert. I'm so excited. You have a musician on your hands for sure. I hope so. And hopefully a successful one because I'm not going to make any money. I'm in radio, so I'm going to be poor forever. So I need her to help us out. I have faith in sweet Eloise. <laughs> well, Lacey, thank you so much for your time. I just, I appreciate you so much. I'm a fan and I'm excited to see what happens next for you. I just, uh, I wish you the best. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see y'all soon, but thank you for having me. It's, it's been, it's been so enjoyable. Thank you. Big thank you to Lacey K. Booth for sharing some of her day with us. I said this before, but I, I do think it's worth repeating. Go see her live. She's amazing and you will love it. And check out our music, however you listen to music too. Thanks for spending time with me on Adult Education. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. Until next time, be well.